You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello, and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys, episode number 71 for Monday, the 10th of July, 2017. My guest on today's show is Noel Holton, a professional book reviewer with many years' experience as a senior probation officer. She's just joined Bookature as publicity and social media manager and recently completed writing her first crime novel. Noel has reviewed for Caffeine Knight's Publishing Crime Club and Carina Crime Club and has even been fortunate enough to be put on a few publishers' reviewing lists. Never want to catch your breath, Noel runs the award-winning Crime Book Junkie blog. When we spoke for the podcast, I asked her which came first, the job in probation or the fascination with crime? My fascination with crime came first. I started reading, you know, Nancy Drew and Hardy Boy books when I was quite young. Uh, then I moved on to true crime and uh, and then on to fictional crime. And following that, I went um, to university and... Uh, when I went, when I came over here to England for my master's, um, I did a course on probation and my interest was piqued. So um, I knew I wanted to work in the criminal justice system. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I applied to the police and I applied to probation and probation came first, answered first. So there you go. There are so many things I want to ask you about, but I hope you don't mind me um, exploring your job as a senior probation officer. Um, I've actually just written a, a crime series, and I have a probation officer in that book. So <laughs> got to make sure I get it right. <laughs> awesome. So what what does it involve then? What do you do on a day-to-day basis in probation? Um, well, I'm a manager, so at the moment I just make sure that my officers do what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, but... When, when I worked on the operational level, um, we, well, when someone came in from court, so someone was sentenced, um, we would induct them. So we'd explain to them why they were on their order, what their order entailed, um, if they had any additional requirements that needed to be uh, fulfilled for the duration of, of their order. Um, when they were released from prison, it was the same sort of process, except obviously being on license, there were a lot more restrictions. So we would go through their license with them and make sure they understand that. Um, and then each week uh, when they came in, they, they might have a condition, for instance, to do a program on domestic violence. Um, so we would find out how they're doing on that or refer them, um, follow up and make sure that, you know, they're attending their appointments. Um, if they're not, we would enforce it by a letter or take them back to court for breach. Um, we would also do one-to-one work looking at their offense and the motivation behind their offense. Um, for each order and license that come in, we have to do a risk assessment. So we gather as much information about their background, you know, family, education, accommodation, any drug, alcohol misuse. It's quite a hefty document. Um, and looking at their previous offending history, if they have any, we would then have to kind of sit back and assess um, their level of risk to the public, to themselves, 
to uh, specific individuals. For instance, if it was domestic violence, um, we would have to to assess whether they were um, a risk to their current partner, ex-partners, all females they come in contact with, uh, children who might be in the house. Um, so it's a long process when someone first gets an order. And then throughout, you know, we'll see them on um, a risk needs basis. So if they have housing needs, we'd refer them to the appropriate agencies or mental health um, issues, we would refer them to the appropriate agencies, but we would always remain that constant link. That's fine. So for people who aren't familiar with this, because, you know, most of us just see it on the telly, we don't get directly embroiled in it, hopefully. Um, yeah. You're talking about an order, this is a court order, and this is something where um, the offender uh, avoids going to prison, but has to undergo some form of supervision and, and, and rehabilitation at that stage? Yep, yep, um, that's right. Uh, we also deal with prisoners. So if they are sentenced to prison, we still deal with them. We would liaise with their prison officers um, within whatever institution they're in and monitor them throughout their order to make sure that they're doing the appropriate courses um, or, you know, monitoring their any adjudications they might get so that we can change our risk assessments of them, make sure that they're not contacting people uh, that they're not supposed to be contacting, um, monitoring their drug use in prison or alcohol use, because surprisingly they can access it. Um, and uh, yeah, so regardless of the sentence, um, we probably see the most offenders um than other agencies, police, you know, the courts. We, we see them more regularly and more often. And what's the difference between a court order and then being released on licence? This is getting into the technicalities of, of legal matters, isn't it? Yeah, well, a, a court order um, is for, for instance, um, I think the maximum a, a person can have a court order for is, um, on a community order, it is two years, and on a suspended sentence order, which affects is a prison sentence, but they get to um, stay in the community, uh, that can go for three years. So the operational period would be three years for a suspended sentence order and a, two years for a community order. And attached to those would be specific requirements. So, for instance, they might have to do an alcohol treatment requirement, unpaid work, a drug rehabilitation requirement, um, an approved uh program that we might run, an accredited program. Um, they might have prohibited contact from someone that we have to monitor. So those are all attached to the community orders. Now, prison um, license, the person will have obviously been sentenced to a period of custody, but they will come out at a certain point, usually the halfway stage. Um, they could come out earlier if they get a home detention curfew or a tag. Um, which we have to assess whether they're suitable for. Um, and then we monitor them for the duration of that license period. And that could be, you know, anywhere from um, 12 months to, you know, a life license. So, but on a, a life license, there would be a period of time where we could apply to the Ministry of Justice to have um, the supervision element stopped, even though they would still be on life license we might not necessarily have to see them, but they have to demonstrate, you know, um, no reoffending for a, a certain period of time, no drug use, um, just basically keeping out of trouble for a set period of time that we could demonstrate to the Minister of Justice, the parole board, that this person is safe now, we don't have to see them. 
I have to emphasize, by the way, I'm not putting you through a job interview. This is just my crime writing interest here, because I think there's it's so difficult to find out about these procedures. And it's great to have somebody like you at the end of a line to be able to ask these questions, too, uh, because yeah. people get confused in crime books, don't they? It is quite a confusing landscape. Yeah. And, and sometimes I try not to get annoyed, but sometimes I do. Um, because I just think that's not what happens when someone's on a license or, you know, if, if someone's, um, uh, there was a, a child death or something and this person was involved, they're not going to move next door. And, and I see that all the time and I'm thinking, why are you doing this? Um, you know, there would be certain conditions on a license, but I understand if you're not within the criminal justice system, you're not going to know this stuff. And, and sometimes it's not clear when you're doing research, it, it, it's easier if you know someone, you know, a police officer, a probation officer that you could kind of just, you know, tap on the shoulder and go, hey, can you tell me if this is accurate or not? And in crime books, I'm not nitpicking. I don't, you know, things don't have to be 100 percent accurate. But if they're so far off, I just think, really, have you not done any research? Is it a tough job when you're dealing with the offenders? Yes. Um, they can be extremely abusive. I've had death threats, um, you know, where people tell me they're going to come around and kill me because I breached them. Or I, I had a, a, a brother come in once saying that I killed their brother. The brother had a, a heart attack um, and it was because I breached him that he had a heart attack. So, you know, they, they swear um, I've been spat at. Um threatened physically you know that there's it's not it's not an easy job but that doesn't happen every day so um you know i think you you take it as it is in terms of you know you, you have to prepare yourself that there's always the potential that someone's going to kick off you know you can't be complacent and sit there thinking okay well you know five years ago they had a, a violent history but there's been nothing since you know, you've you've always got to be on your guard. And the one thing I would say is um, uh, I always go with my gut. If something doesn't feel right, um, I'm usually right about that. So I always take precautions. I went to a crime event at Northumbria University last year and I sat in on one of the panels where there was a prison chaplain there and a, and a medic or a nurse. I can't remember what the proper title is. And um, there was a prison um, governor there as well. And I found it absolutely fascinating. And what surprised me, because all of these, uh, they were all women, actually, and they'd all spent their life within the criminal justice system. What amazed me was the amount of compassion that they had. It must be hard to keep that compassion, or, or is it? Um, I don't think so, because I think you kind of go into this sort of job, um, you know, you go with your eyes open, obviously, that you can't change a person. The person has to be willing to change. Um, but you do have to, um, remember at the end of the day, no matter what their crime is, um, they're a human being. And if you treat them that way, uh, and you respect them, it usually comes back at you. So, you know, I've, I've had some great experiences with probation where, um, there was a girl once who I was on the train and I hadn't seen her in years and she had been pretty messed up, but she yelled down the train carriage you know, my name and then started saying to people, I was her probation officer and I helped her and now she has a job and she's no longer in an abusive relationship. She was saying this on the train, um, which was lovely, but slightly embarrassing. <laughs> um, but, you know, because I 
treated her like a, a human being. And, you know, I understood what she was going through. I tried to empathize um, with, with her situation um, and rather than kind of giving the, you know, you must do this or you can't do that um, because that just puts their back up. So you, you have to have some sort of compassion to be in this job um, because otherwise you you just become a sort of robot that thinks, well, nobody's ever going to change. So why am I going to help them? You know, our job is to help them help themselves. So having had the experiences that you've had in your working life, your day job, yeah. would you say that pure evil exists? And this also feeds into what we're saying about crime novels. You know, are people just generally have had unfortunate lives or does evil exist? Um, I, I definitely think pure evil exists. I've come across a few characters who will never change, who I'm glad are behind bars. Um, and literally, when you look in their eyes, it just sends shivers down your spine. You think, oh, my God, this person cannot ever get out. Um, part of that could be, you know, the whole nature nurture um, argument fascinates me because I do think there's an element of that um, in some people's lives. But, you know, you come across evil individuals who had a great background, you know, a, su a supportive family, um, money, education, and they still do pretty nasty things. Have you ever felt um, personally threatened? I mean, I know, I know you've said that the offenders will say, oh, we're coming around your house and we'll sort you out. But as a, as a female in that role, have you ever felt, you know, a, a vulnerable or really genuinely under threat and, and unsupported in that environment? Um, I have, but I haven't felt unsupported because, we, you know, we have panic alarms in the room. And one of my offices is a police station. So I press a button and I've, I'm surrounded by 50 coppers. So I feel secure enough. But at the same time, you're directly across from someone. So the chances of them, you know, being able to punch you in the face if they wanted to is, is very high. We don't have glass partitions you know, when, when someone gets angry, we have to be able to calm that situation down rather than escalate it, um, you know, and it can be quite intimidating. A, a lot of the male perpetrators, for instance, of domestic violence hate female officers um, and go out of their way to try and intimidate you. Um, but with experience, you kind of, you know that, so you, you don't play into it. Um, I think probably when I first started out, it was a lot harder. Um, and I do think you have to have a certain sort of um, thick skin to be in, in this job. And you generally know within the first six months um, whether it's something you'll stick with or not, uh, because you will be bombarded with, you know, a ton of things. I was trained in London um, in a pretty, you know, bad area in terms of um, offending and, uh, and violence. And it, um, it rather than scare me off, it really made me think, actually, yeah, this, this is what I want to do. So but you, you do know um, immediately whether it's something, you know, I've, I've had officers who just said, I'm not coming back anymore. You know, this is not for me. Or I found them crying in the post room or I just, you know, you definitely have to have a, a, a thick skin because you will be, especially as a female officer. Um, there, there are some threats in terms of, um, you know, your, your physical safety and also people just abusing you. So what I find amazing then is having, you, you've very clearly 
told us about how you spend your working life and how you have spent your working life. And yet you continue to mix with these characters when you come home from work because you immerse yourself in the world of crime. So, so where, where does that come from? Um, to be honest, I have no idea because I, I know a lot of police officers who um, don't watch crime shows or read crime books because they want to shut off when they come home. Um, but I, I just have this twisted fascination with all aspects and element of crime. And I love, love crime books. Um, I love police procedurals especially, probably because I always wanted to be a homicide detective, uh, you know, or a, some sort of detective investigating murders. So perhaps I'm just living vicariously through, through the novels. Um, I also had an interest in being a criminal lawyer, and I love legal thrillers. So... I don't know. Maybe that's why I'm drawn to it. I I just can't shut off from it. I'm completely obsessed. I'm not so, going to lie. <laughs> so you read voraciously in that genre, but also you are incredibly uh, embedded and immersed in the wider world of authors and blog tours uh, and blogging. And and that's what I want to explore um, in, in this interview today. So how how did you move from being a probation officer to loving the books to getting involved in the, the sort of process of it all? Um, well, what happened was, um, I was, you know, I never really reviewed probably up until 2012, 2013. I, I really didn't understand um, a lot about reviewing or, you know, I'd read loads of books, but not comment. I'd just tell people how great a book was or I'd share it or whatever. Um, and then I got onto Facebook and I saw book groups and um, bookish people. And I thought, wow, there's other weirdos like me out there. Fantastic. So um, I started following um, Vicki Wilkinson, uh, her Facebook page, I Love Reading, and Catherine Everett's, back then it was um, Best Crime Books, or well, now it's Best Crime Books and More. Um, <laughs> so I started following them and their reviews and, and looking at, you know, um, all the stuff that they read and I started reading things and then I found Goodreads. So I started jotting down some of my thoughts on Goodreads in terms of, you know, I really love this book or um, that sort of thing. And then I saw Kat's blog um, and I thought, wow, that would be really cool to do. And I got into conversation with Kat and, you know, conversations with Vicky in terms of books I've read. And Kat um, offered me a guest reviewer post on her blog. Um, which I thought was amazing, although I was nervous because I thought, well, what do I write in a review? And when I look back at my older reviews to what I do now, um, I mean, there's not much difference in terms of the, you know, OMFGs than my excitement, but I focus a lot more now on, um, you know, the characters and the plot, whereas before I, was, I would just say, oh, this was a wicked book. I love this because, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, so after a couple of months on Kat's blog uh, and, and some really good positive feedback from some authors, um, she told me to get lost and start my own. So I started talking to Sarah Hardy of By the Letter Book Reviews, um, who just started her own blog. And, you know, we kind of uh, held our hands, uh, you know, through it. She held my hand through it. Um, and gave me some tips on how to set up a WordPress blog and um, books to look at in terms of um, blogging. And, uh, yeah, in 2015, I started Crime Book Junkie and carried on from there. How long did it take 
for people to discover that blog or were you so well established then that you kind of had a ready readership on tap no i don't i don't think i had a ready readership um to be honest i think uh, a lot of it came from the authors um whose books i reviewed and who i followed on facebook um really getting behind me and sharing on their pages um you know like graham smith and um stephen edger he was great and paul Oh, I'm not even going to pronounce his last name, Gregorzik, I think it's how it's pronounced. He was amazing, you know, um, sharing stuff that I had, uh, had written. Um, and uh, I think it was more through that. And then when I started, you know, um, looking on Twitter and I found other bloggers and more Facebook pages with bloggers and, and they started sharing um, my reviews, I think that's how it really grew. I think probably it wasn't until I was about nine, ten months in. Um, that I had a really good following, uh, which, you know, I've only been blogging for two years. Um, and I wouldn't say I have, you know, a massive amount of um, people who follow my blog, per se, or subscribe. Um, but th it seems to get out there. And I, I think social media plays a huge part in that, all the different groups and, you know, uh, talking to other bloggers who tell people, oh, you want a crime book, go, go check out Noelle's blog. So that's really helped as well. Now, I'm a self-published author, and like all authors, I need good reviews to help me get my books out there. Yet, I don't actually review. I'm a bit like you in your early days, that I don't review books, even though, this is karma, you see, even though I know that I desperately need reviews. So why, why do yeah. people, you see, my wife reads and reviews, and I say, well, I'd rather be writing. And you know, why, why do people review? Because I don't really understand what makes someone review. Um, I, I think I started reviewing, um, because I just wanted people to read these amazing books that I, I was reading. My blog originally was just a place for me to kind of type out my own thoughts and ideas and excitement, which is probably why they were so, uh, not so, you know, informative in terms of, uh, plot and stuff. When I first started out, it was, it, it was more kind of like, wow, this book is so awesome. Um, and I, I just think it's it was my way of kind of getting that excitement out of me because I, I, I get really, really excited about books. You know, if I read a really amazing book, I want everybody to know I've read it. So for me, that's what the review does. And it also then helps the author. Like you, I didn't even know how important amazon was you know so when i first started i was just putting it on goodreads which is great that the author can see it but it doesn't help them in their rankings or anything you know amazon was the, the key place to do it and i can't remember who told me um off the top of my head i'm sure it was a, an author who just one day said oh well can you pop that onto amazon and so that that's what i do now i make sure that i do and you know whenever i see someone's had read has read um my review and, and bought the book i will always say oh i'd love to read your review on amazon just to kind of give them that nudge because i think to be fair i think there are a lot of people like you who read um but don't bother leaving a review because i think they think it has to be a you know a novel but a couple of words on amazon and your star rating and that makes a world of difference Yet authors can have an uneasy relationship with reviewers. I'm thinking of the dreaded one-star and two-star reviews. And, and when you get a, a review like that, it can be 
crushing as an author, particularly if it's, you know, frankly, ill-informed and not a very, you know, it's a monosyllabic review. Now, you can tell the difference between people who are used to writing reviews, who discuss plot and all the elements of the book, and people who just say, oh, that was rubbish, you know, and just, and just dismiss a book like that. So, so where are you uh, in, in terms of, of bad reviews? You know, as an experienced reviewer, if you read a book that, frankly, you know, really wasn't up to it, how, how would you deal with that? Um, I'm, I'm honest. I'm constructive in my reviews. Um, you know, if I, if I didn't like something, like for instance, on my blog, I only put three stars and above. Mm. Um, and I don't know why I made that decision, but I I think probably because the, the blog's there to kind of shout out about the books that I think are worth reading. Um, if, if I came across a book that was one or two stars, um, I usually, um, depending on where I got it, I might contact the author and just explain to them it wasn't for me. Um, I would happily leave a review um, if, if they wanted me to. Um, but equally, I would give them the option. And I know a lot, not a lot of reviewers do that. Um, but for me, you know, and I'll say to the author, I'll be constructive. And I actually had someone for a two-star review who said, yes, please, could you leave the review? Um, which was fine. I didn't mind doing that. But um, I just think, you know, someone's put their heart and soul into that. Um, and I, I don't want to bash them for it um, be, because that's not what it's about. It's it's about kind of, okay, this, this is what I didn't like about it, and these are the reasons why. But that's just my opinion. You know, it might not be everybody's. And that's why you're a professional reviewer, you see, <laughs> because you appreciate the work and the effort that's gone into it. You know, I was talking to our mutual acquaintance, Graham. I think he just had a one-star review, and we were discussing whether it's good to give books away for free. My, my perception is, is that when you give away books for free, as a, an indie author, you actually have to, you know, you really have to do that to get some momentum going. But I think the quality of reviews is lower because the respect for, um, you know, the work and the due diligence that's gone before actually engaging with it is minimal. And so, therefore, it's easy come, easy go. And I think reviews are, are worse at that level. I, I don't know whether you've any sort of thoughts uh, on that because it feels like damned if you do, damned if you don't to me a lot of the time. No, I, I think you're right in terms of, uh, but I also think it's who you're giving your books out to review, because if you're just handing them out to anybody who asks for it, um, you're going to have to expect a range of, well, I thought this was rubbish, or, you know, I, I didn't like this because uh, whatever reason. But if you target, you know, the individual who you think may like your book, um, you know, and not everybody does. I've, I've had, you know, my little blogging friends, um, we've all read the same book and I've loved it and they didn't. You know, it, it's all down to a, a person's individual taste. But if you target the individuals who you think, you know, this is the type of book that they read, um, you probably would end up with better reviews. Um, if you send it out to anybody and everybody, I mean, I've seen reviews where people have written things like, well, I don't really like this type of book. Well, why why did you accept it? Yes. Why did you what if you knew before you took it, why did you say yes, I'll review it? You know, to me that just seems like a waste of that person, you know, a couple of hours of their life. If they why would you take a book that you didn't you knew you you w- wouldn't enjoy? And I honestly get um I'm probably too uh, invested in these authors who I stalk um because I get personally offended when I see, you know, someone who I adore, you know, their writing, um, get a one-star review, which is not warranted, you know, or a two-star, 
or even a three star where they don't explain why it's a three star review. You know, they just kind of go, eh, well, the, the postman dropped it off late. Um, I personally get offended and I've had conversations with authors where, you know, they've had to calm me down because I'm probably more angry that they got a one star review than they are. Yeah, I, I never bite back, though. You can't bite back because that's where the trouble starts. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You, you have to let it go, unfortunately. There's no way of, of getting them removed. You just have to live with it, which is just how it is, I suppose. So with, with all your experience then, what what makes a good review? Um, that, that's a bit difficult because I think it's individual to everybody. You know, for me, I love a review that tells me a bit about um, what's you know, what sort of characters there are. Because for me, I love characters. So um, if I if I can learn in a review what the characters are like and I kind of feel like a bit of a connection when I'm reading that review, I think, okay, yeah, th this is a book that I'm going to like. Um, I also like uh, finding out, you know, is it is it going to be a fast-paced read or do I have to kind of get on the couch with my, my blanket and my pillow and sit back and just enjoy it, relax, because it's, you know, a slow build-up or... Um, those sorts of things. I, I also don't mind, and I know other reviewers will disagree, I don't mind knowing if there's a twist or if there's a boom or, you know, there's something that's going to grab me. Um, I don't sit there and kind of wait going, oh, well, where is it? Some people don't like that because they think, well, if I start, then I'm just going to be constantly wondering where's, where's the twist. Um, I like to know that a book has a twist, sort of strangely because I almost want to see if it's something that will catch me out, um, you know, because I've had books that say, you know, this is a, a, a book that will grab you and, and the twists, you, you just won't believe them. And then I've read them and I come to the last page and I'm thinking, where was that twist? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not there. Um, so, yeah, I don't mind those sorts of things. But when I'm reading a review, that, that's what I look for. And I love to be able to read a review and feel that person's excitement. You know, when you can tell, when you can really tell someone has loved a book and it just oozes from their review. I love that. OK, so you've also done some reviewing for NetGalley and you've reviewed professionally for Caffeine Nights and the Karina Crime Club. How, how does that come about? Does it is it like chicken and egg? You know, one thing leads to the other. Um, well, what happens is when, when you start doing, you know, your blog and stuff, um, publishers to start contacting you so you know i've done reviews for and i've been on blog tours for harper collins for avon um caffeine nights um karina you know I, I get book posts almost every day which is great um but they just kind of i guess they hear about you word of mouth or they've come across you on twitter um, and they contact you via email and ask you will you please review this book it's out this day and um, I love that. That to to me that that was um, a huge honor when I first got my first uh, publisher request because I just thought you want me to review your books? Wow! It, it was really exciting, and in fact, I still get excited. Um, so yeah, I, I don't I couldn't tell you why they chose me. Um, you know, they could do a eeny meeny miny mo for all I know, um, but I'm going to pretend it's because they've seen my reviews and they think oh. We, we want we want Noel to generate some excitement. You know, they might see that I share them in when I when I love something, I, sh I share it in every group I possibly can. And I retweet and, you know, I share other people's reviews of the same book because I loved it so much. Um, 
yeah, I'm going to choose to believe that's why they've asked me. Well, speaking as an author, you see, I, I think that you, you sound, a, well, you are a trusted pair of hands. The fact that you've said that you won't review a book, you know, you're putting positivity out into the world because you're not giving one and two star reviews. So you're always being constructive, you're being positive, And so therefore you're a trusted pair of hands. Now, nobody wants somebody, and an author doesn't want this either, somebody who always loves everything. You know, you need somebody to, 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 to point out but it's it's the way that it's done, isn't it? I think, and, and that's why I think they probably come to you for that reason. Yeah, I mean, I I have done one and two star reviews, but I will always have a conversation first before I post it, just out of respect for the individual. And and I do know that a lot of reviewers disagree with that, but that's my choice, you know. Um, and in all honesty, um, a lot of the authors don't mind. They would rather I give them a review, and I'm concerned constructive about it, you know, because I will say, and, and maybe that comes from, you know, beta reading or um, looking at books beforehand where I can kind of give some feedback in terms of what works or what doesn't work. And it probably comes from my experience, you know, for court reports and assessments and stuff, because you have to write a certain way. And, you know, I can't say this person's bloody dangerous. You, you know, you have to put things a certain way. So, Maybe that's where it comes from. But I've just always learned to be constructive, you know, because there's no point in me. You know, I'm, I'm not a, a writer per se. I, you know, I write things, but um, I don't know what that person is, you know, is all the time that they spent. They could have spent years slogging over, a, you know, a, a, a computer, a keyboard, um, you know, and invested their life and soul in this. And. For me to come along and say, well, that was really rubbish. Who am I to say that? Yeah, and, and just just hearing those words come from your mouth, again, as, a, as an author, I just think, yeah, you know, that's that's actually all you want as an author. And you're happy to have a one star. You don't you, you just want somebody to understand that, number one, it's subjective. Number two, it might just be their opinion. And number three, that you can still be positive about the work and the effort that's gone into something, even though it might not be for you. And that's kind of, I think, all you want as an author. Exactly. That's exactly it. You know, I, and I would always say things like, in my opinion, or, um, you know, it just wasn't for me, but it might be something that, you know, someone else might like. And, and I would go into it and explain that because I think it is important that a, a person might under, or want to understand, you know, why I didn't like something. I've, I've had people contact me and say, you know, was there anything particular that you didn't like? like about it for for even my three star reviews which for me a three star is pretty good but a lot of authors think it's not which surprises me so i, I try and make even my three star reviews very positive um just to get the word out or the, the message out that i did i did like this book it just didn't blow me away i i got to ask you this question because you are a writer you are a person who writes a lot you are a person who reads a lot so why aren't you an author? Um, I have just finished the first draft of my crime novel. Well done. Excellent. Thanks. Yeah, I started after crime and publishment. Um, and uh, I finished about two weeks ago. So it's now just sitting before I start the editing side of things. But yeah, I finished my first crime novel. So how did that feel? How did that feel to you as somebody who's you've got you've had so many books through your hands? You must feel quite familiar with all the issues, the angst, the, you know, the plotting mechanisms, all these things. Yeah. And I think maybe that's made me a little more scared because people seem to expect that. Well, you know about this stuff, so I bet it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I'm not right now in the stage it's at. It's not great. I know it needs a lot of work, and I'm probably my worst, my own worst critic. Um, but I am hoping uh, that once I start the editing um, and stuff, you know, that um, it'll turn into something hopefully pretty good. But it felt amazing to type the end. Um, you know, every night I came home after work, I fed my dog, and uh, and then I'd spend an hour typing, making sure that I got at least a thousand words out. And I, I kept at that every day until I typed the end. You know, a lot of authors personally, did, did you, you know, even the thousand words a night and, and even knowing that you just need to keep going at it to get the book written, did, did you learn, have you learned a lot from being involved with so many authors and you must have heard all the angst? Yes, I, and I have, um, you know, uh, the, a lot of the authors, you know, Graham Smith, Michael J. Malone, um, uh, Mike Craven, Caroline Mitchell, Mel Sherat, they and Mel Comley, they've all been really supportive. And every night I would, um, probably to kind of kick my own backside and make sure I kept doing it, but I would put a, fo- a post on Facebook, you know, saying what my word count was. Um, and they would all comment, you know, tons of authors comment supporting me. And that kind of kept me going, you know, giving me advice like, you know, just keep at it, do as many words or, or do what makes you feel comfortable. So if you didn't, if you didn't want to set a word limit, don't, but make sure that every day that you come home, you type, um, you know, or find the time to type. Because when I first, I, I've always wanted to write a book and a couple of years ago, um, I had started, uh, but after a couple of weeks, I kind of gave up because I was like, well, I don't have time to do this, but I actually, I, did i just didn't make the time so for me that was one of the probably the key pieces of advice that i got also to just write don't edit as i go just get it all out there on the pages um because that was the other mistake i made that you know i'd constantly go over the first chapter i wrote you know so it was taking me weeks to write three four five pages this time i just kind of got it all out there just spat it all out onto the page um and which is why it probably needs a lot of editing, but it got me through it. So um, I would definitely say that to people, you know, don't don't worry about all that other stuff. Just get the story out of you. Um, and it flowed. I, I did. I not one time did I ever stumble where I thought, God, what am I going to type today? The, the minute I got and I didn't do any pre-planning or preparation. Sometimes I'd know what I want to talk about or, or put in the book or you know i have had a few characters shouting in my ear me 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 so um i knew i was going to write about them but i had no idea what was going to come out of me it just did which was amazing and what are your aspirations for this book are you going to go for traditional publishing self-publishing or a bit of both no clue <laughs> <laughs> no clue um i would like to have a go at submitting uh, and seeing what happens. So, you know, at the moment, I want to get it edited out to a few trusted bloggers and authors to have the, you know, cast their eyes over at some point um, in the next couple of months. Um, and then hopefully uh, I'd like to go back to crime and publishment next year and pitch. So that that's my next goal. Um, get it all ready for crime and publishment to pitch. So it's, it's very ready to go and and start submitting and obviously if nobody bites at it or or wants it or or is interested in it um i I have no issue with self-publishing i think self-publishing is great i've seen so many success stories 
Yeah, and uh, we'll come to Bookature, uh, which is which is almost the self-publishing model in, in a traditional form. We'll come we'll come to that in a bit because I know you're involved with Bookature. I wanted to just mention Crime and Publishment though, because um, you and I met at Crime and Publishment. Um, speaking as somebody who lives in the north, it's such a delight to have a northern writing event of such high quality. It's run by Graham Smith, who's been a uh, a guest on this show. Uh, Graham and I know each other uh, locally, and um, it's the first time I, I came uh, this year. And I loved it. And what struck me about that, your lovely community that you're a member of, is just how supportive it is. I don't think I've ever quite seen a community like it. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? I, I, I totally agree. Um, to be fair, crime authors are probably the loveliest people, considering what goes on in their mind. <laughs> they are the nicest people you could ever come across. Um I absolutely adore them all. And and going to Crime and Publishment, I was quite nervous because that was my first year as well. Um, and, and most people who had um, attended had something, you know, ready to pitch or they were writing regularly, um, you know, or part of other writers groups, whereas I wasn't. So I was really nervous when I went up there. Um, but they were fabulous. You know, the, the first night, the Thursday night when I went up, just chatting and so socializing and and getting to know people and and going to um all the different um talks you know from lynn anderson and michael j malone and i mean they were just so inspirational and motivational i was buzzing every night i went to bed um you know things were going through my mind i was kind of writing down things or thinking about what i wanted to ask the next day because just the buzz alone within that little group was fantastic um, and I really, uh, I honestly believe that had I not attended um, Crime and Publishment, I probably wouldn't have written a, a word to date. It really gave me that kind of kick up the backside because there was a group of people who you could kind of go, oh, guys, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling today. Or, you know, I wrote this many words and they'd all be going, yeah, that's great. That's great. Keep at it. So that to me kind of, you know, I think especially if you've not done it before and you, you, you're kind of insecure, you're not sure if, if it's something for you. They, they were just great, you know, offering words of wisdom and sharing their own experiences and um, not kind of being the, the finger wagging, you know, don't do this. It was kind of like, well, this is what works for me. Um, maybe you want to give it a go. So I, I picked up little bits from different people and kind of put it all together. And it really, really made a huge difference in terms of yeah definitely inspiring me to to actually get the words out and, and write my book it was, it was a great event the mistake i made is that i because i'm local i nipped up and didn't stay overnight and i should have stayed overnight which i'm going to be doing next year because of course a lot of these relationships are forged in the bar all the time aren't they absolutely absolutely the bar uh, the bar was definitely um buzzing every night you know and and it wasn't um i mean we were talking crime we were talking writing. We were, you know, there were there were obviously other conversations going on, but the buzz from the day carried on throughout, you know, into the evening. So um, it was fantastic. Oh, I loved it. Well, I'll see you there next year because I'm booked in already. I was arranging the room with Graham the other day. So <laughs> I'll see you there uh, March 2018. Yeah. Um, now, I want to talk to you about um, blog tours next, because um, yeah. this, is, this is something I've never done. And I've just watched, uh, to refer back to Graham again, I've just watched Graham launch his latest book with his new publisher. And I've, I've watched the blog tour. And I've just seen how, how powerful that is really close up. And I've always been aware of them, but never really 
really sure about what they involve. Can, can you tell me how you got involved with them and then what's actually involved in a blog tour? Yeah, uh, probably I was probably along the same level of um, understanding as you are about a year and a half ago. Um, I had no idea what a blog tour was, so I avoided them whenever I saw the word. Uh, come up. But then I saw on um, a fellow blogger, I think it was probably Sarah Hardy's blog, um, by the letter book reviews, that she had been involved in it. And and I just asked her about it. And basically, you know, um, a publisher or publicist will contact a blogger. Um, Again, like we were speaking about before, they target specific genres. So, you know, if it's a crime book, they're going to get people who are interested in crime books uh, rather than, you know, another... um, genre or or a type of book um and um they sort of virtually tour across these blogs over a set period of time so you know they might have two bloggers a day for a week um or arenda karen sullivan uh who is epic in terms of her blog tours i mean they could go on for months you know every day uh, a new blogger pitches up with a, a new Arenda book that's come out. Um, so, and basically it's just to shout out about the book or, you know, leave a review some on some blog tours. Um, there might be guest posts from the author talking about maybe setting or characters, um, or there might be an extract or a chapter um, shared within it. So basically it is just to kind of promote the book, promote the author and and get it out there via various platforms and groups and social media um you know and uh the publishers and publicists you know i think they do a bit of homework and background so they'll look at um you know what sort of books that the person likes um uh how many groups they might share in um but potentially how many followers they have on twitter um, you know, to make sure, obviously, that their book gets maximum exposure. And what's great about blog tours as well is when you're on a blog tour with um, a group of bloggers and the blogging community is awesome, um, they will share your your post uh, as well. So if you're on a, a, an Arenda tour, you could have your review shared by 30, 40 bloggers in a day, um, you know, or by 15 bloggers if it's a um a, a week blog tour where there's two a day what i wasn't sure of is is who does what you know so if i'm a an author am i if i'm on a blog a 10 blog tour am i writing 10 original blog posts but what well, i think you've clarified that in that actually it, it varies depending on which blog you're appearing on sometimes they might it might be an interview it might be a review yeah. it could be anything uh, but it's content it's blog content and it might be produced by either yeah. party yeah, and, and sometimes um, authors or publishers will request a review-only blog tour. Um, but because bloggers are just so extremely busy, unbelievably busy, it's not always possible to do a, a review. You know, sometimes, um, and, and I often wonder if, if publishers kind of think about these things in terms of when they're contacting a blogger. You know, I need at least four weeks um, if I'm going to be on a blog tour because I've got, you know, 20, 30, 40 other books that I need to read before that blog tour. So contacting me a week before the book's out saying, can you review it for next week? That's just not going to happen. But I think they've learned, you know, when I first started doing them, that's what was happening. Some 
publishers, some of the bigger publishers, um, the more traditional publishers still do that. Um, so they end up having a lot of content tours. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of the um, smaller publishers or, or the ones who have a better understanding of bloggers and blog tours, um, you know, they give you the notice that you need because, you know, they know that uh, reading a book, you're, you're taking someone's time. And if you're asking them to be on a blog tour, you can't expect that you're the only publisher they're reviewing for. So uh, how does this how does this uh, work in terms of you organizing them? Because I think uh, looking at uh, Crime Book Junkie, you are a stop on people's blog tours. Is that right? Yes. And also you organize blog tours for people that that's a paid for service, presumably. Um, well, it wasn't. I, I did, for instance, uh, Graham Smith's blog tours um, because I'd never organized a blog tour before. And I'm a big, big fan of Graham's and I have been for a couple of years. Um, I, I call myself the leader of his chair, whether he likes it or not. Um, and, uh, you know, he he asked, we were having a discussion about blog tours and, and he said, you know, do you know any bloggers? And I kind of said, well, yeah, I know a few. And let's put together a blog tour. Um, and, and that's what we did. Um, and it was the first one I really did on my own. Um, and I also did Michael Fowler's. Um, you know, he asked me at Harrogate if I would uh, help him out because Graham uh, had kindly introduced me to him. Um, and uh, so I just started, you know, offering when I could uh, to help out people because, you know, these, these authors, um, as, as much as I read and review their books, they, they support bloggers as well. They're very good in getting the word out about um, us and what we do. And, and for me, I just think, well, it's only fair that I give it back. So I started, you know, helping out. But then a lot of people asked. And then I realized, hang on a minute. Uh, I've seen promo companies, uh, you know, little side businesses set up. Um, I'll give it a go. And uh, so then I set up Thick as Thieves, um, publicity and promo. Um, and I got a few um, paid blog tours under my belt because, um, you know, given given the fact that, um, you know, I'm working eight, nine, ten hours a day, then I'm blogging and reviewing. Um, organizing a blog tour takes time because you've got to chase people and make sure that you've got the right people for the book um, and, and all that kind of stuff. And you're still doing those, are you? Um, well, I've, I've had to stop, obviously because you know doing the freelance and stuff for um bookature and britain's next bestseller um there, there'd be a, a bit of a conflict of interest in terms of you know the work that i do so i've i've put that uh, on hold um but i'm i'm i've got commitments up until the end of august so i'll, I'll carry through with them but um it could be something that you know you never know what happens with it it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> well, let's talk about this showbiz lifestyle that you lead then, because, um, <laughs> because I mean, now I went to, uh, what's it called? The, the York Festival of Writing in September and uh, Bookature were the new kid on the block, the big publishing sensation uh, at, at that event. Um, and, you know, I heard um, Lady Talk from Bookature there. And I thought, wow. And I've talked to a lot of Bookature authors who love mm -hmm. them, 
They they mm. they love the philosophy. They love the approach, and it seems to be a kind of mixture of the 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 dynamic of a self published author. That one author was saying um, they released a book, it didn't sell, and so rather than just saying, "Oh, you're a rubbish author," you know, we're ditching you. Bookature said, "Let's try a different cover. Let's try some different things." So they were iterative, like a self published author would be. They don't just give up. They just keep trying new things, and um, so they sound like a really interesting model. And they're shifting books by the bucket load, aren't they? Yeah, well, they're clever. They are absolutely clever. I mean, I when I was approached to do freelance, um, you should have heard me screaming with excitement because I love Bookature. Mm. I love their books. I love their authors. Um, I, I love Kim Nash, their social media manager. Uh, I think they're a lot like me in terms of the excitement and the buzz that they they uh, release into the, the the book community. You know, um, everybody wants to know what the next book Bookature book is or, you know, whenever there's um, a cover reveal, everybody's excited because they invest in their authors. You know, they're, they're a great um, group of people to, to, um, to, to work with. Um, and even as a blogger, they are fantastic. They just bend over backwards, you know, to get you what you need in order to to get your blog posts out. So um, I, I can't, you know, sing their praises any more than than what I do, because they to me, they are amazing. Um, you know, and it, if I ever, you know, could do anything else, it would definitely be um, working with them because they are just fantastic. Um, everything about oh, now I just sound like I'm like, Ooh, look at you. Yeah. But everything about them is amazing, you know. That they're friendly, they're approachable, um, and I you general you genuinely get the feel that they really care about the authors. You know, they're nurturing their authors and they're supportive of their authors. Where a lot of the big traditional um, publishing houses might not be that way. You know, they they just want your book and and that's it. You know, they want to make money. The authors are very loyal. I was talking to Angie Marsons on the day she hit her two million. You know, very. Yeah, very isn't she great? Fabulous, isn't she? Very loyal though to to Bookature, as are all the authors I've spoken to, which is a, which is a great thing. And as you say, it's pos- all this lovely positivity coming out. What what's your gig with them? What are you doing with them? Um, I do freelance publicity, so um, I just help out, you know, organizing blog tours for them and stuff like that. So um, because Kim bless her, uh, as they're growing, um, it's a lot for one person to do, and. Uh, and Kim has been wonderful kind of training me up um, and giving me, you know, authors like Casey Kelleher and Mel Sherratt and Caroline uh, Mitchell, um, who I all of, you know, are big fans of those uh, those ladies. They're, they're amazing ladies um, and allowing me to organize their blog tours and, you know, make sure that their promo goes as smoothly and as well um, as possible. So. So, you know, I just get these little projects, which um, I absolutely love and get giddy and excited about. Um, yeah, and, and help them out. And, of course, you know, they help me out because um, in terms of my blog and stuff, they've been very supportive as well. So it, it works both ways. They're, they're just amazing people. It really is a perfect fit, I would say, you know, for you and what you're doing. And also you're involved with Britain's Next bestseller as well. It must be like a dream come true for somebody like you. Yes, um, David McCaffrey, who is absolutely lovely, um, approached me last year, uh, late last year, and just asked me if I would be interested. Him and his wife um, bought Britain's Next Bestseller um, and asked me if I would be involved in 
their um, submissions for crime novels. So what I do, which, which is probably different from a lot of um, publishers, rather than just read a submission and go, no, we don't want it, um, I would give feedback, uh, detailed feedback, in terms of what a person might want to do to change the book to make it more, um, I don't know, exciting or, or uh, more interested for crime crime readers because you know a lot of a lot of people you know there was one person whose um, submission it was a great book but they just repeated things over and over again and and actually you know for me a book a, a crime book's got to start within the first chapter that killer hook's not there you know if I've got if I've got 10 chapters in and I still haven't been grabbed by the throat um, I, I probably won't carry on reading it it's not it's not exciting you know, that's not what a crime thriller is. So I, I, you know, I've come across books where actually the killer hook was in chapter four and I've suggested, well, you might want to change chapter four to chapter one, get rid of all that stuff in between and go on from there because that's where your book starts. Um, and that's the sort of feedback I, I gave or I give through Britain's Next Bestseller rather than just, no, this is not for us. So I want to congratulate you on those really high-profile roles. It's great that your hard work and commitment to the genre has been recognised and rewarded. But then here you are, uh, not only doing all this fantastic work for authors, you are now an author yourself. So so what are your next steps? What are your aspirations? Are you going to be the next cover reveal at Bookature? Uh, I don't know about that. Um, and honestly, I, I don't even feel like an author. I don't feel like I can call myself an author, um, you know, in the same league as all these amazing people who I shout out about. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I See, I'm turning all red now. I'm really embarrassed. Um, I'm not sure what where it's going to take me. I'd, I'd love for it to be well received and, and wanted and people want to read the books. Um, and I would quite happily write in the evenings and, you know, promo other authors and books during the day um, if, if, uh, if that happened, you know. And I, w- I will definitely keep writing because I've already got book two in mind. Um, but where it's going to lead me and where it's going to go, I don't know. I, I think for me there's always going to be a place in promotion and, and shouting out about other authors because I just love books so much. I cannot see um, a future without me kind of shouting out about everybody else and you know sharing that that book love around thank you for listening to this week's self-publishing journeys if you enjoyed the show please consider sharing it with your indie author friends or you can leave a review on itunes stitcher or whichever podcast directory you use in the meantime you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com thanks again for listening We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.